Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. To quote Gridiron Genius from my friend Michael Lombardi, he tells a story about him and Mike Homer being good friends. Homegrown called me Scooper because I was so tuned in to what was going around the NFL. Well, Scooper, you called this one. You're the first one who said this, okay? We have to go back now and mark our words with Tua Tunga Vailoa because you were the first one, Mike, who said, you know what? I'm not sure about this guy being the number one pick. And everyone talks about, you know, the Dolphins are tanking for Tua, and we were subjected to the toilet bowl on Sunday between Miami and Washington. And, yeah, Rosen's not the answer for the Dolphins because they benched him and then they put Fitzpatrick in the game. But Tunga Vailoa right now, is it really a foregone conclusion that he's number one. Here's some numbers before you dive in. He's ahead of the pace he set last year. He's already become Alabama's all-time leader in career touchdown passes with 81. He had four touchdowns on Saturday. But when Alabama was done thrashing Texas A&M, Joe Burrow went to work for LSU. 21-24 for 293 and three touchdowns as LSU stays unbeaten. That was a gigantic game by you Bengals against the Gators there in the SEC. The reason we bring this up here on the GM Shuffle with all this NFL talk is everyone feels like Two is the guy. But Mike, you think Joe Burrow could be the number one quarterback. And this is important because we'll get to it in a second. But remember a few years ago, everyone said Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota can't miss, right? Well, it's not always a can't miss. Talk to me about Burrow. Well, look, I think this weekend was really revealing in the sense, look, I think Tua is a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good player. He's got nice qualities to him. However, for the amount of fanfare that's going along with this, it's just way out of proportion. And I think what's happened is we're getting confirmation bias setting in at an all-time record pace here. First of all, he's got receivers that are wide open. I mean, when he throws the ball, they're wide-ass open. And when I watch him play, if you're telling me you want a tank to get that, in a grading system, I'd say it's about a 64 player. It's not elite. You're not getting anything elite. Yeah, he's a good athlete, but so is Mariota coming out. And I think when you watch this Joe Burrow, Art Modell used to say this to me all the time. He said, you know, kid, we make them into what they are. They don't come out of their mother's second rounders, right? So we have this preconceived notion. Like, we think that, that Tua is going to be the first pick overall. And we think Burrow would be a nice third-round pick. Oh, really? You think he's going to be a third-round pick, right? Okay, the guy's Mr. Ohio, right? MVP Mitch was Mr. Ohio, too, by the way, right? <laughs> and got recruited by Ohio State, Burrow did. He was all state in basketball, right? So this is a really good athlete who's six feet four, who could throw the ball. He's got 22 touchdown passes, three interceptions this year. He's playing with incredible talent. But don't tell me the gap between Tua is that far. There's not. There's no gap. In fact, I'm telling you, Burrow's going to be considered for the first pick over on the draft before this is all said and done. And I'm thinking watching college football and watching what's going on and then watching the pros, it's really, really freaking clear that nobody can evaluate the quarterback. When, when Duck Hodges comes off the bench and he's leading the Steelers to a 21 nothing. by the way, we're recording this at halftime of the Steeler game, 21 nothing. we're seeing that, and we're seeing other quarterbacks. I mean, Kyle Allen's on the same field today with the first pick overall in the 2015 draft, Mr. Jameis Winston. And if you want to choose two sides, you're picking Kyle Allen over Winston every single day of the week. Now tell me we're going to get this quarterback thing right. 
Well, here's another part that you, I'm quoting Gridiron Genius, which, by the way, is now available on paperback, Mike's book. You talked about Michael Lewis in his book, The Undoing Project, and he writes about confirmation bias, which you just mentioned, which holds that the human mind is just plain bad at seeing things it doesn't expect to see and a bit too eager to see what it wants to. So confirmation bias, in your opinion, is absolutely insidious. And I'll say this, having covered college football the last four years at ESPN, Everybody's raving about Tua, and I get it because for so many years, Saban's teams were built upon defense and the running game. And you said the quarterback, we don't even really need a quarterback. Just don't screw this up, whether it was Blake Sims or whomever. The, 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 the Crimson Tide can still win a national championship. And then when Tua came in there, they go, oh, my God, this guy's ridiculous. Like There's a reason why now Saban has no hesitation whatsoever to open things up in the, in the passing game. He can throw the ball deep. And, of course, everyone remembers. Again, these are the moments, Mike. You remember big-time moments. You remember being in the national championship and see a Tua come in at the half and light things up and all of a sudden lead the tide to victory. And that's what happens. To your point, they say, yeah, okay, Burrow's nice. Okay, but again, it's confirmation. I keep thinking, well, LSU, hang on, what are they built on? Defense and the running game. Leonard Fournette, whomever, they don't really have a quarterback. Let's see you know, how they're going to fare against Alabama. SEC West game, Tiger Stadium at night. Then maybe I'll be swayed because right now people just keep sticking to those preconceived notions, which is that, no, Tua's the guy, Tua's the guy, Tua's the guy, and maybe he isn't the guy. And that dovetails to what we're talking about now as our Make Me Smarter segment, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Remember teams fighting over these guys saying, you know, can't miss prospects? What happened to can't miss when Marcus Mariota is getting sent to the bench by the Denver Broncos swarming defense and the Titans have now lost four of their last five games as they get drilled 16 to nothing? You know, when Mariota was a junior, he didn't want to come out, you know, and there was somebody that was begging him to come out because it was, he's a can't miss. He's a can't miss player. Right. And so what happens to all of us is we read all this and it affects us. Right. If why do they secure a jury? Because they don't want the jury being influenced because they know in, the, in this country influences hit us. It's the same thing. If you're running a personnel department or you're running a draft, you have to be secure. You can't read anything. Right. You can't read a word. And so we got to get Mariota to come out. We got to convince Mariota to come out. We got to convince Mariota to come out. Right. OK, great. So what do we have? We have a quarterback who's played in he's played in 64 games. He's won 31 of them. He's 31 and 33 over his career. When I went to work him out, I was with John Schneider of of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I was consoling him after the 2014 with a game we beat him on the Malcolm Butler. We were having a conversation, and I watched Mariota and I looked at Schneider and I said, "Are you sure this guy's the first pick in the draft? Because he couldn't drive the ball down the field. Really good athlete." I came back and told Belichick. I said, "Bill, this guy, all the West Coast guys are going to fall in love with this guy because he throws the ball in rhythm. He's got real, but when he's got to drive the ball and he's got to make a tough throw, plus he's not really a true leader." He's not a leader. They're all going to fall. Oh, no, he's can't miss. He's can't miss. Belichick didn't say that. He's can't miss. He can't miss. We all start with the premise of collecting data to support how great the player is as opposed to trying to tear it down saying, how could we miss with this player? Same thing with Winston. You know, I'm sitting there doing VEASAN today, and, and we're talking about it. And I said, now, the number one thing we have to remember is we got to make sure that, that Jameis knows what color jersey we're wearing today, right? we got to know first pass interception. First pass, he threw it right to Carolina. I mean, and here he is, and this is year five of the program. And, and, I, and I said this on the air, and there was a guy standing there. I said, when is Bruce Arians going to bench this asshole? Like, when are they going to get him off the field? Like, at some point, what does he have to do to get off the field? Right? Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Because this is the problem when it comes to Winston. Five games with at least four turnovers. Think about that. No other player has more than two of those games since Winston entered the league in 2015. Five turnovers in all. NFL worst, 86 
in the past five seasons. Again, I'm an idiot, Mike. I don't know nothing, but I would just understand this. If I'm running a team, the biggest thing that would kill me for a quarterback, you know, I want, I want completion percentage of 60%. Absolutely. Do I want a guy with a big arm? Absolutely. Do I want a guy who's smart, decision-making, poised, leadership? But just don't turn the ball over, okay? I'll take Alex Smith. I'll take guys who just dump it off, short yardage, whatever. Guys who have quick feet, who don't stay in the pocket long enough. Just please don't turn the ball over. To me, that's such a killer. When I look at Winston's numbers, 86 turnovers in the past five seasons? How can you win with a guy like that? You can't. That's why he's won 27 games in his career. Look, you know, Belichick makes it real simple. You play receiver. Here's what you have to do. You have to catch the ball. You have to run after the catch. You got to protect the ball, right? Those are the three. Those, it's not that complicated, right? At quarterback, you got to protect the ball. And what do you tell your team when you're sending a guy out there that can't protect the ball? Well, it wasn't his fault on that one. It wasn't his fault on that one. I mean, Bruce Arians said this. He was, he tell people, you know, you know, I can come in and help save this guy. No, you can't. You can't save this guy's prone to making interceptions. Then they go ahead and guarantee his fifth season. They guarantee Mariota's fifth season. Now they bench him for Ryan Tannehill. Look, I can tell you this. Maybe Arthur Smith's not a great coordinator. Maybe Matt LaFleur, who just got a head coaching job, is not a great. But how many more coaches are going to go through that I can't coach it? Poor Mike Malarkey got his ass fired, and he was leading them to a playoffs, right? <laughs> he took them to a playoffs. He actually got more out of them than anybody did. At least they had a more effective offense with Malarkey. I mean, here's what you don't want to do is get fire a coach and then get worse at the position you bring the guy in. I mean, Tennessee's horrendous. They got shut out. Did they get shut out? I think the final, well, they got shut out, right? Yeah, 16 to nothing. 16 they to lost nothing. It. Okay. The Broncos, Mike, they had seven sacks in a game, first time since their 2015 Super Bowl season, and they picked off three passes. Remember, we've been talking about the GM shuffle, Denver's defense. They lack an identity. They're not sacking the quarterback. Seven sacks today. It was unbelievable. Right, and we, and we talk about how bad Tennessee's offensive line. They paid Roger Saffold. They must not have watched the Super Bowl because he didn't block anybody in the Super Bowl, right? They got no offensive line that can protect, right? They have the slow... We talked about the slowest offense in football, right? Like at some point, here's the issue. You've got to understand, you're the general manager. Is it a production problem? Is it a design problem, right? So when my man Gus Malzone throws a pass into the end zone that he doesn't move the free safety on and he comes to the side and he blames Bo Nix, he thinks that's a production problem when in reality it's a design problem. The problem with the Tennessee Titans on offense is they have both. They have a production problem and they have a design problem, right? They can't produce and the design's horrible. So what do you do when you do that? You start the hell over, right? You start over with that. Jameis Winston, they got a production problem because we know that the design of Bruce Arians' offense has worked with Carson Palmer, but it ain't working with this guy. And now you've guaranteed him your fifth year. What are you going to do if you're Jason Light? You just got yourself a five-year extension. Are you going further in with Jameis Winston? No. I mean, seriously, are you going to pl keep playing? When does this guy get to the bench? When do you tell your team enough is enough? I mean, Todd Bowles is probably sitting over there telling his assistants, when are we going to take this asshole out? <laughs> like, seriously, like, what, what, what do you got to do to get benched here? Tennessee and Tampa, both were can't-miss guys with Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, right. and both those guys are not the answer for their respective teams. Anybody who thinks they are is just living in the past, right? And we have to slow down the Tua talk, and we got to sit there and say, okay, let's just have an open mind. Joe Burrow, Mr. Ohio, Gatorade Player of the Year, his pedigree is as good as any. Now, what happened? Okay, what happened was he got there and they went with Haskins over him. So he transferred. He graduated and he transferred. No big deal. Comes from a family of players. I mean, this Heisman Trophy now, and we talk about betting here, right? First of all, Jalen Hurts took himself out of the Heisman on Saturday. Like, you're not going to go over there and play the way he did and somebody's going to give you the Heisman. I don't care how much Lincoln Riley can promote you. You're not winning the Heisman with that performance against Texas. I'm sorry. You can't do it, right? The Red River showdown got the best of him. Yeah, it did. It did. And so, you know, to me, this is a two-horse race. 
It's Justin Fields. Been great for Ohio State. And it's Burrow, right? who's been great for Ohio State. And here's Georgia, right? Here's Georgia. Oh. Here's another key element of the GM shuffle mm-hmm. when you can't evaluate your own team. They had Justin Fields and they had Jake Fromm, and they went with the wrong guy. I mean, this happens all the time. Right, it happened at North Carolina State when Mike Lennon showed up. Where they said, "Russell, you're not going to play. We're going to play Mike Lennon." How'd that work out for you? Right, <laughs> yep. right. It happens all the time, and it, what? Why? Because we have bias built inside of us. Because we already begin. And then the other part, we'll get about this to the Rams. Is we know the answer, but we don't want to face the answer. That's the Rams' problem. That's the moniker of the Rams. We know the answer, but we don't want to face the answer. All right, we'll get more on the Rams in just a second, but one of the best games of the day, and I feel like this could be one of these galvanizing wins here for the Texans. They, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 31-24. And speaking of heavily hyped quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson throws for 280 and a touchdown. He ran for two more. He outduels Patrick Mahomes, who, again, going back to the draft, Mahomes has famously picked two spots ahead of him in the 2017 draft. Carlos Hyde, by the way, ran for 116 and a touchdown against the team that traded him to Houston in the preseason when the Chiefs decided there was no room for him in their own backfield. So, uh, you know, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde there had a little bit of vengeance on his mind and watching the Texans step up big. Listen, Casey was not going to go unbeaten. Mike, you and I both had them as one of the top three teams in football, but this is a big time win for Watson and the Texans. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is the second home loss for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, that's rare to lose in Moscow Square twice. I mean, that's really remarkable. And I think this, I think Andy Reid has got to sit down and reevaluate himself. Look, and I'm going to write this column tomorrow morning for The Athletic, but I think Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame type coach. He really is a good coach. Now, his game management is atrocious, and I think his lack of overall discipline is costing his team. But I think he's got to have a heart-to-heart with Andy Reid and say, you know what? I got a great quarterback. My offensive line's not very good. And my defense, believe it or not, America, has gotten worse. You know, I questioned the hiring of Steve Spagnola because I thought there'd be too many free access touchdowns. And I always felt like there's always too much uncertainty in his defense. He's always checked with me to this, to that, to that. And nobody really knows what they're doing. It's the same thing that happened with Bob Sutton last year. So now he's got a defense. So what did we talk about last week? The Chiefs have to stop playing so much defense, right? They got to learn to play complementary football. You know what they did today? They played 40 minutes of defense. You don't know why they lost? Because they only had the ball for 20 minutes. You, you can't win like that. You can't win. They ran the ball 11 times in a game. You, you can't win like that. I mean, I mean, when you sit there and look at it, you got to sit there and say, okay, we've got to figure out a way to win this game. We're going to figure out the best way that fits us, our personality, and how we handle it. I mean, you're not going to go into that game and pretend you're going to beat that team and have 11 rushes, rushes and completions. I talk about this all the time. That shows your execution. When you throw in the ball as much as they are, no wonder why. You run it 11 times, no wonder why your defense is out there for 40 minutes. That's why all these analytical people that talk about, well, you got to throw the ball, you got to throw the ball. Look, I am 100% throwing the ball to score. You're not going to get me to say that. Like, I hate a good lead play on first and 10 to start a drive. Like, that just drives me berserk. But I got to run, as Belichick would say, stick a run in there to pace the game. And milk the clock, and that's where the Chiefs are right now. They're not. The, this is not going to get better for Kansas City. They've got fundamental flaws. They have design problems, and they've got production problems with their offensive and defensive lines. Speaking of problems, Eagles got a problem with that secondary. They're missing a couple of their starters. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings took full advantage. Plus, we'll talk more about the Rams and that Seahawks victory over Baker Mayfield and the Browns. And my guy Lombardi was 15-5 and going into the week when it came to his pick. So we'll discuss more about that. But honestly, we got a clearer picture here of what to discuss with regards to all those teams when we come back.
All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, let's talk about these L.A. Rams, because you would have thought going into the season, looking at what pundits said and experts said, okay, hey, this is going to be a Super Bowl contender, right? You got Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and lots of big-name defensive playmakers, and this will be a team that gets it done, Aaron Donald, etc. Instead, now you look at this Rams team right now, Mike, and there's questions surrounding this team. As great a coach as McVay is, can he overcome the fact that Jared Goff may not be the elite quarterback that they're paying him to be? You know that line in, in The Usual Suspects, one of the great movies of all time, if you've never watched it, I would watch it. I mean, it's it's one of the great lines. The greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> well, the Rams knew, the Rams knew that Goff wasn't great. The Rams know this. Like, they know it. They, they designed, McVay came in and designed an offense to hide Goff. And it worked. It worked. They knew it. They knew it. They knew Gurley didn't have a great knee, but they worked him. They knew it. Their offensive line, they've been hiding it, right? They've been hiding it. Now, they can't hide it anymore. And all of a sudden, they can't get anything done. And yet, what drives me crazy is they knew it, and they paid it anyway. They let public perception get in the way. Why not have some balls and say to Goff, Goff, no, I'm not paying you. You're just a guy. I, I made you. I invented you. Like, I created you. I'm the one who put you on the map. Yeah, you have talent. There's no doubt about that. You can throw the ball, and when it's seven on seven, you look pretty. But when they start punching you in the mouth, you're saying goodbye. They knew it, and they go ahead and do it anyway. They got no depth on this team. Their contract situation with some of these players is absolutely absurd. Warren Sharp's been tweeting about it all the time. This contract, and I said it on the GM shuffle, it's one of the worst contracts in football. It's one of the worst contracts in football because you can't get that level of performance. If the bank called in and said, We're gonna, we want the note back, you don't have enough equity in the note. He's not good enough for that money. He can't back up that note. He's just an average player. And then behind a bad offensive line like you have, one thing that's clear, that Super Bowl declared who they were. Everybody power rushes Whitworth now. Everybody just powers Whitworth back. Everybody takes, you know, they paid Haverstein too, the right tackle. They couldn't wait to pay his ass because they're paying all the draft picks. They want to promote themselves. You know, they want to promote themselves. They have no depth on their team, and their defense got their asses kicked today by the 49ers who don't even have two of their starting tackles. Yeah, it's crazy some of these numbers. Jared Goff, 13-24, career low, 78 yards. Could not get comfortable behind, as you mentioned, that offensive line. 
The Rams did not manage a completion longer than 12 yards. They went 0 for 9 on third down. Think about that. You try to go 40% on third down, they went 0 for 9. The Rams are now 3 and 3, their first three game losing streak of McVay's two and a half year tenure. And to your point about the Niners, George Kittle. Eight catches for 103. Garoppolo passes for 243 and a touchdown. And how about this defense? Like they, that's, that's the story, Mike. It's Niners defense against L.A. offense. 157 yards is all L.A.'s offense managed. That's amazing the way that the Niners, they're now 5-0. and It's their fourth of a 5-0 and start. First time they've done it since 1990. And now it feels like absolutely we're seeing a changing of the guard in that division. And they go back and play Washington next week. I mean, this this team's this team's for real. I mean, they're built the right way. They've got defensive linemen, right? They're and Garoppolo, who I I thought was a good quarterback. Kyle calls a good game. I mean, to me, and, and they got Garoppolo on a good contract. It isn't like ridiculous like this golf contract. Like to me, the Rams have some serious issues. And I believe this. Look, McVay's a really good coach. He's a really good coach, but people know what the hell he's doing. He needs a new album. I mean, he's become what David Crosby said. You got to put out some new album. And the problem is he's trapped. He can't put out a new album because his, his lead musician can only play one song. He, Jared Goff can only play this drop back pass game. And so when the game became 20 to seven, all of a sudden, you know, the Rams got to throw it to get back in it. They can't throw it. They don't have the drop back pass game. I said it when Goff, I said it when Goff was a rookie. I got my ass killed. Everybody, you're an idiot, Lombardi. No wonder why you're not working in the league. You're an idiot. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, fine. Good. You watch the guy. You tell me that this guy is going to be able to handle pressure. McVay hit him. They knew what the devil was, and they still paid him anyway. It's one of the worst crimes you can make in personnel, and we all have made them because we don't want to face reality. We don't want to handle the truth. We don't want to sit there and say, you know what? we got to find another quarterback. I'm not paying this guy all this money. I know we live in L.A. I know we got a beautiful stadium, all that bullshit. we got to run a professional football. It's a billion-dollar industry. And we got to get better. And right now, they're old on defense. I mean, Marcus Peters plays no technique at all. Everybody goes after him. Now he has an interception, which keeps people off of him. But everybody has no problem going after him. Double moves, all that. Where's their talent on defense? They don't have any. They have none. They have, they have one great player. I remember reading that, Mike. The problem with defense is that they paid a lot of guys big money. And so, you know what? You're giving all your money to your Aaron Donalds and your Keep Talibs, and they don't have much depth on defense. They don't. And I got no problem giving Donald the money. I mean, I give Donald the money, but they gave Gurley the money, and they're not going to have Gurley. Gurley can't play. Gurley's got bad knees. They look like at least the Rams look better today with Henderson running the ball than they did with Gurley. At least he had some juice. He, you know, he caught. They started the drive off. But here's what bothers me is I thought, and I, I had a bad week this week, I admit. But I thought for sure the Rams would come back. I thought they had a little juice left in them. I thought this would be the punch that they could punch back out of. And today they got their asses kicked. And that tells me a lot about who the Rams are and also about who the 49ers are. All right, let's move on and talk with the Eagles because, man, that secondary got beat up. Kirk Cousins throwing to Stephon Diggs, three of his four touchdowns. A season-high 333 passing yards for Cousins. And Diggs scoring on first-half passes covered 51 and 62 yards, becoming the first player since Randy Moss in 2000 to post two touchdown receptions of 50-plus yards in one game for the Vikings. The reason why I kept thinking about you, Mike, watching the game was you mentioned how Belichick will look at a team's weakness and say we've got to exploit that at all costs. 
loss. And you could look at poor Jim Schwartz in the sidelines, the Eagles defensive coordinator, and it's like, I got no answer here. All right, we're missing starting cornerbacks in Ronald Darby and Avante Maddox and Rasul Douglas and, and you know, Sidney Jones get lit up and Cousins took full advantage. I mean, now this Philadelphia team, which you and I like a lot, I, I still have them winning the division. Me too. But they're three and three now. Yeah. And I'm like, you'll have a great win against the Packers in Green Bay. But then, you know, they just they couldn't get it done. And again, a poor start keeps undermining Carson Wentz and company. They fall into these early holes. They can't dig out of it. And that secondary was tough to watch. It's impossible to watch. Look, Schwartz has built the whole team around the defensive front. When the defensive front doesn't dominate, then all of a sudden they can't. Rasheel Douglas, these guys, I, I, was, I do WIP every Friday morning, and the, I love Angelo Cataldi. Yeah, he'll be going berserk this week. But he asked me, he said, would you, you think Jacksonville would trade Jalen Ramsey to us for a second-round pick and Cindy Jones? I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Cindy Jones is terrible. Well, he was a second-round pick. Well, that was because he was a bad second round pick. He wasn't a good one. He was just, yeah, here's another example. Well, he was a first rounder that went in the second. Was he really a first rounder? Does that look like a first round talent to you out there? Even when they get Maddox back or they get Darby back, it's not going to help their secondary. It's really not. They lost Nigel Bradham today. That, that, that affected them. And then offensively, they can't make explosive plays. I mean, they can't. And I don't know. Look, I know this is who they are, right? I know this is who they are. But there is an epidemic going on in the NFL. And it started with Doug Peterson, this going forward on fourth down, this listen to the analytics. The clapper fell for it today, too, naturally. You know, he can't help himself either. By the way, one of the great spitters of all time, just for the record. He's a great clapper, but he's also a great spitter. If, if his nickname wasn't the clapper, we could make him the spitter. He could have dual nicknames. He really could. He's like dual citizenship. He could have dual citizenships, you know, in two countries. But anyway, I mean, like, my point here is, like, why, if you're going to try, a, like, go into halftime, get the three points. Like, why did we try a fake to the kicker? Everybody knows Philly's be alert for a fake with Philly on fourth down. Be alert. Everybody's up to it, right? Everybody's alert. Like, hey, Philly's going to go for it on fourth down. That's their moniker. You know, the clapper goes for it. Into fourth and one, he goes for it. If he just kicks the three points, if he kicks those three points, you know what happens? He wins today. Isn't that remarkable? If he took the three points, he wins. Yeah. Jason Garrett, the clapper, is getting it from everybody. Terrell Owens, I just saw Mike tweeted. He tweeted at Jerry Jones. goes, hey, at real Jerry Jones, still think Jason Garrett is the answer for a decade. Capitalizing a decade now. It's the same old song and dance. I knew they were going to Jason Witten on the third down prior to touchdown. and knew they were going to him on the two-point conversion. Not too late to bring me back. Other people just hammering Jason Garrett saying, you know, this is a guy who fired Tom Landry as first in the job, has stuck with Jason Garrett for a decade. I mean, the fire Jason Garrett at this point, it's like a trending topic. Skip Bayless, Jason Garrett remains a liability. People are killing the guy, and you've been killing him for a while. I mean, look, he, you know, I, I keep wondering what he does. Like, I want to know what value you – I'm paying you $7 million a year. What value do you bring to the table? You're not an offensive guy. You make no adjustments. You know, you don't really ch- – you, you, you don't coach offense. You don't coach defense. You don't really coach special teams. Your game management is atrocious. I mean, it's really bad. To not take the three points there, you know, you're in it's I think it was seven to three at the time you make it set or maybe I don't know it was seven three you, you cut the game down take the points like this whole notion you got to go for it on fourth down every time is we've we've gotten out of control with it like sp- understand the game remember there's two things you're watching in a game who's in control and who's in the lead right if you feel like you're in control of the game take the points 
right? If you feel like you're in control and have the lead, maybe you go for it on fourth down. But I think you've got to weigh it. I don't. That's why when Bel- they asked Belichick about analytics, about two-point plays, said, I don't use them. Of course he doesn't use them. He goes by his feel. He's watching the game. He sees who's in control, who's not in control, how his team's doing, what the score is. It's really ridiculous. And I think when you watch this, and I think Philly, look, everybody knows Philly goes for it. You know, now Philly didn't lose that game because they went for it on fourth down. Philly lost that game because they can't cover anybody, and it ain't getting any better. It ain't getting any better. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, like you said, for the Eagles, everyone knows their weaknesses. The fact that the New York Jets actually beat the Dallas Cowboys 24-2, to I mean, it shows the Cowboys are absolute frauds. If you can't beat the New York Jets on the road, I mean, what kind of a team are you? Exactly. It's actually embarrassing that after a 3-0 start, we thought they were legit, Mike. Yeah, no, I'm embarrassed. I mean, I, like, like you're the clapper. This is that you got two. You got you know going into the game, right? You have no you have no tackles, right? Collins is out, Smith is out, so you got backup tackles. What do you got to do? I'm going to have to ride Zeke. I'm going to have to make sure I do this. Meanwhile, Dak's getting the shit kicked out of him on every play. He's falling down. He's going in the tent. I mean, it's unbelievable. And To's right. Look, anytime they got to have a play, they're throwing the ball to Witten. I mean, they're going to throw the ball to Witten. Amari Cooper's hurt. Like, they're just not well-designed, and um, I think we could put an end to the Kellen Moore head coaching candidacy. I mean, we could put that on hold. Now, if he'll get three first downs in the next game, I'm sure we'll put it back on. But it's really absurd. Like, the be- like I was talking to a coach in the league tonight on his way home after the game, and I'm like, it's so bad to watch the league, how many teams just give away. I went berserk today. I was on the air, and we're doing the show. And the game's on. So it was kind of a fun environment. You know, the the book was really crowded. It was a fun environment. And I'm watching. And the Panthers have the ball with like a 59 seconds to go. And Carolina doesn't have a timeout. So, you know, it's third and 14 or something like that. Now, what do you want to do? you got to run the ball here, work that clock all the way down. The last thing you want is to give Carolina a chance for the end zone, right? Naturally, they run the ball. They run an outside play. And McCafferty runs out of bounds. I went berserk. I went berserk. I mean, I went absolutely berserk on the air. It was ridiculous. Like, here you are. You just gave them 40, 42 seconds and a chance to kick a field goal. And those three points could come back and beat your ass. Just like the three points came back to beat Jason Garrett today. Like, at some point, you got to manage the game with some sense of now, down the road, and how we're going to play. And everybody wants you to go for it on fourth down. And there's an epidemic. And people are going for it on fourth down more because they say nobody has documentation of this. It's like, well, the analytics said we should do it. But nobody brings out the analytics, right? Like, do what you think's right for your team at that right moment. Speaking of doing what's right for your team, Russell Wilson throwing two touchdown passes, ran for one. Seattle's defense forcing four turnovers. Chris Carson scoring in a one-yard touchdown, three and a half left. The Seahawks rallied to beat the Browns 32-28. to This Cleveland Browns team, all the hype was about them. They couldn't shut up. They were so excited. Uh, national television giving them a boost. Instead, they're 2-4 and four now. Three interceptions, a fumble, block punt, Baker Mayfield hip injury. It's hip to be square. Overall, this guy now has 11 interceptions in six games. Cancel the parade in Cleveland. The Browns ain't going anywhere, Mike. You know, I mean, I'm so mad at myself. I, 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 I try to be cute this week. I, every number told me Seattle was the better team. Run and pass, rushes and completions together. The Browns are one of the worst in the league. So today, after I take my medicine, you know, the Browns have 46 rushes and completions. And Seattle has 61. That's total domination, right? Seattle has the ball 33-41. The Browns are not very well coached. I mean, there's too many details that they leave out in the field. I mean, the officiating was atrocious in this game. I'm not sure, you know, that, that the whole sequence down on the goal line when they had the one-yard line, they score, but then they, they call timeout to challenge the play. I mean, it was really bad. And the calls that were in the game were just as horrendous. I mean, 
But the Browns have no attention to detail. They're a team of characters, not a team of character. And I think that shows up. And we talked about this all off season. You got to get good before you get great. You know, you got to be able to do this. I mean, Baker Mayfield's 11 interceptions in six games. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, we talk about golf. I mean, golf's had 13 fumbles, 13 interceptions in the last 12 games. Think about that. Jared Goff has 13 fumbles, 13 interceptions in the last 12 games, and you just paid him a boatload of money. It's the same thing with Baker. You're going to keep tolerating all these mistakes he makes? Now, so, uh, some of them aren't his fault. No, they are his fault, the reality. Then you get a pump blocked. They couldn't stop anybody. You know the hard part if you're a Browns fan is your defense was terrible. You can't stop anybody. You know, Steve Wilkes is over there, and you're wondering, like, are we going to get? Are we ever going to get a handle on this? Now, I know they didn't have Ward, and I know they didn't have Grady, Greedy Jackson, but they couldn't cover, and they really never, other than Garrett, they can't get pressure. Russell Wilson, to me, he just moves right along. He's the number one leader in the clubhouse for MVP right now. I was about to say, you know, I'm watching the game, and as soon as the Browns took the lead, I said no problem because of Russell Wilson. And we are far past the point now, Mike. Anybody who tries to say, Ah, he's still a little bit smaller. Yeah, and you know, Seattle's got a great defense. No, no, all that stuff's nonsense now. Russell Wilson, I'm with you 100%. This guy completes passes at a high percentage, does not make mistakes, still makes plays. That's of the tackles, makes plays with his legs, and he's absolutely clutch and fearless under pressure. Like, I, I was completely confident. I said, no, Russell Wilson leave the Seahawks to win. They got plenty of time right now. He's the MVP of the league right now. He's been unbelievable. No doubt. And I think what Pete Carroll said, people don't understand what he's really saying. He said the running game is what carries our team. And people say, well, you're stupid. You know, you got to throw the ball. Look, here's what he's saying is we must, we must be able to control the game and be able to have complementary football to win games. His defense wasn't on the field very long. The Browns moved the ball. The Browns could move the ball when they were disciplined and detailed in their, in their assignments. But the ability of Seattle to run the ball, to control the clock, to play complementary football. That's what Pete Carroll's talking about. He's not just talking about handing the ball off. He's talking about playing complementary football. That's really smart. Andy Reid doesn't do complementary football. He doesn't understand. He's the fat guy at the buffet line. He just wants to go in there and eat. I'm hungry. I got to score. I got to score. I got to score. <laughs> Meanwhile, his defense is on the field for 40 freaking minutes, you know, but I don't care. They got to stop them. No, no. Like, let's play less defense. Let's play 25 minutes of defense. Let's milk the clock. Let's do something to change the course of this game. And I think Pete Carroll does that. And he understands how to do it. And that's a lost art in the NFL. People have lost their mind on how to do that. They just get in such a hurry to do it. And I, and I think that you got to take your hat off to them. I mean, there were so many bad things going on today on the field that it just it just blows you away to watch it. I mean, the Arizona Atlanta game. I mean, there's there's the great Atlanta Falcons. Ad supposed to be the most talented team. You talk to anybody, you know, they got oh, all our holes are filled. We don't have any problems with talent. Meanwhile, they lose to Arizona out there. Yeah, they lose out there. <laughs> Atlanta is another mess to talk about. I want to talk about one more game, Mike, before we get to weekly awards, and that's the toilet bowl. Running back Kenyon Drake. Love the Drake. Yeah. He couldn't handle Ryan Fitzpatrick's quick throw in the flat, two-point conversion try with six seconds left. And so the Redskins get their first victory of the year, beating the Dolphins 17-16. to The Dolphins trailed at 17-3. to And then Fitzpatrick, a little Fitz magic. He comes in for Josh Rosen and almost leaves him the victory. Bottom line is this. The Dolphins don't trust Rosen. And right now, they're going to try to tank for Tua or get your guy Joe Burrow. But Rosen, not going to get it done. Dolphins, I mean, this was a brutal game to watch. Here's what drives me crazy about this, I feel bad for Josh Rosen. I, I read some tweets to that. You know, I feel really bad for Josh. It's not fair to Josh Rosen, okay? 
Were the Jets one of the worst teams in football you've seen for the first three last three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sam Darnold comes back. What happens? They look like a different team, don't they? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, that's the point. The point is, great quarterbacks make the team. If Josh Rosen was a great quarterback, he would make Miami look a hell of a lot better than they are. You know. Well, you could say, well, Miami. No, Miami's got some decent. You know, Miami's got the Parker. They they got enough guys out there. You can make plays. I mean, they got just as many as the Jets do. And don't tell me that the Miami offensive line is any worse than the Jets offensive line with Brandon Shell at left tackle like he was today. Don't even go there. Like at some point, stop making excuses for the quarterback. At some point, stop making. If you liked Rosen, you're just making excuses for him. You're just trying to trying to convince yourself your evaluation was right. Your evaluation was wrong. Rosen isn't any good. He can't make anybody else better. They went to Ryan Fitzpatrick. They got better. Now, here's what I would say: when you were when you're down seventeen to three, right, and you score, you know you're going to go for two. At that point, I would have gone for two. When I was down seventeen, I would have been seventeen and nine. I'd have gone for two. You know why? Because if I don't get it, then I got to go for it to two to tie the game. Right now, I tie the game. But if I get it and I score, I win. I'd rather have that scenario than have to go for it and make it one play. You follow me? Yeah, that does make sense. You're right. As far as because again, it comes down to game management, clock management. Right. You, you, to me, if you know, look, I knew. You know, I was on the phone with Millie, and, and they're driving. I said he's going to go for two. You know, because they, they, that's you knew they were going to do that. But to me, that should have been done on the first score, not the second one, because the second one, you now you know you needed to tie. The first one, you need you, if you get it, you're going to win. So, but now you know how to play it. You got to be thinking ahead. It's like our guy, Minnesota Fats. He knows he's going to make the eight ball. He's got to move the, you know, the six ball. He now he's got to move the to get so he set up to the next shot. It's the same thing. I would have gone for two on the seventeen to nine score, and then had to go for two twice. Why not? By the way, I'm just looking at some of the tweets we got here today. One I particularly enjoyed. And as always, you can tweet me and Mike individually. M Lombardi NFL or Adnan S Verk. This was from Robbie G. Me thinks you guys may have mushed. Hashtag Minshew mania. I feel bad for it. I, th- I think, uh, you know, Sean Payton made a great statement today. Sean Payton said that I think we could have played eight quarters. They wouldn't have scored. I-, I think Dennis Allen has done a remarkable job with this defense. I think he, he kind of took John Filippo around the woodshed. They didn't have an answer for what he was doing. They really didn't. They're, they, they're covering really well in New Orleans. Their defense is playing lights out. Teddy Bridgewater is they're they're managing the game correctly. Sean has become an elite head coach. He's become an elite head coach. He's got every phase of his team operating at the highest level. His team's playing at a high level, and they were just better than they were just better than Jacksonville today. I don't think we mushed Gardner. I feel bad for it, but I think they ran into a better team today, especially up front. I mean, Jacksonville's offensive line is not very good, and Gardner was under a lot of pressure today. Uh, one more tweet here before we get a break. This is from Pereic Joyce, who said, if M. Lombardi NFL promised Millie he wouldn't curse today, I'd say Jameis Winston is ruining his day. <laughs> That fucking guy, he's the worst. I can tell you that right there. I mean, you know, at some point, when are we going to put his ass on the bench? Like, at some point, I'm sure Jason Light's flying back from Tampa today. Well, you know, he really, you know, some of them weren't his fault. Making excuses. Let's stop making excuses for the quarterbacks. Great quarterbacks make the team great. Sam Darnold is living proof. There was no team worse than the New York Jets. There was no team worse than the Jets, and Darnold made them 10 times better today. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. One player came on the field. He shifted the balance of power. It's the same thing. If you have a great player at quarterback, your team's going to play better. That's a fact. If you don't have a great player, stop making excuses for him. 
Bottom line is this: Mike went fifteen and five going into the week. What is your record now? Oh, I, I was fifteen and six actually, but I'm sixteen and ten now. I took one on the chin. I, I I did stupid things. I mean, I didn't listen to myself. I got away from the numbers. The numbers said San Francisco was going to win. The numbers said Seattle was going to win. There was no doubt. In fact, somebody tweeted me after that. I'm not picking Cleveland Lombardi. You're just going on a whim. He was right. Like the numbers all said that. And I think you got to go back to the numbers. One thing about betting, I think you got to take your, your bias out of it. And I was thinking the Browns would give it their best shot today. I really did. I really thought, I really thought that the Rams would, would come back and give it their best shot today. And they didn't really have they, their best shot. It's like, you know, if this is the best I have, I ain't good enough. And that's the way I felt about the Rams today. If that's their best punch, they ain't good enough. They just got manhandled. They just got man, and I don't. And we're going to talk about this later in the show. But I do not have the Rams making the playoffs. That's not going to happen. Speaking of, after Week Six, we have a clear playoff picture for a lot of good teams. Which teams have already eliminated themselves from contention? Plus, our picks for the playoffs, along with weekly awards. That's coming up after the break. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time now for Mike to dish out his weekly award. So, you know, we're going to do something different before we get to the award. Just who is missing the playoffs? Here's an idea, right? We're six weeks into this thing. We're almost at the halfway mark of the NFL season. So, Mike, who right now do you feel confident is not sniffing the playoffs? Well, I think if I were these teams, right, this is what I would do. I would start working on next year's team. Like, I would really spend time on next year's team. Like, I would place, I would make sure I had a really good practice squad. I would make sure the practice squad guys are getting a ton of work. I'd make sure I have a backup offensive line. I'd make sure I was really trying to comb. I would do everything in my power to start working on next year's team. And I would have it planned out to the detail. You know, obviously Miami's working on next year. Washington, they need to work on next year. Atlanta losing today, you better work on next year. Now, Dan Quinn might not be your coach. You know, Dan Quinn might get fired this week. I don't know how you could fire Dan Quinn for losing because the field goal kicker missed the extra point. Matt Bryant had new holder. Matt Schaub had a hold for him, so that became problematic. You know, Arizona, they're not making the playoffs. I'd start working on next year. I'd start working on the things that we're going to keep doing, keep doing the things you're going to do. When you're in these situations, you should not think about the next game. 
you should think about where you want to be this time next year. And everything in your everything in your decision-making power should be focused on not today, but next year. You can't solution-based decisions. You've got to do sustainable decisions. So everything I'm doing. So let's go over it. I think Miami, Washington, Atlanta, Cincy needs to work on next year, Arizona, if I'm Tampa, I'm working on next year. And that means getting rid of Winston. I'm, I'm not playing him a quarterback anymore. I got to find a quarterback. I got to find a quarterback. Now, I know it's not Blaine Gabbert, but I got to find a quarterback. Tennessee, I got to find a quarterback. And the New York Giants. Is there anybody I'm missing of that group? That's one, two, three, six. That's eight teams of the 32 that are a limit. That means there's, there's only 24 competing for the 12. So basically, there's 24 competing for 12. Yeah, and that just makes things so much easier. You're right. I mean, Falcons one in five, Redskins one in five, Dolphins we know are hopeless. Since he's brutal, yeah. Arizona, Tampa, Tennessee, and the Giants. But, I mean, but it's not so much the one in five; it's how they look. Like Atlanta's got five sacks in six games. Their whole team's built on rushing the passer. Like that's not coming back. Like they can't stop anybody today. They couldn't stop any. They couldn't stop the forward pass. I mean, Tampa can't stop. You know, they can't stop the forward pass, and they turn the ball over. Tennessee can't score points. I mean, last year they had ten games where they scored twenty points or less, and they were three and seven in them. They're on the same pace. I mean, Arthur Smith. I don't know how he got the offensive coordinator's job. You know, and the Giants. We know they're for next year. So to me, if you know you're building for next year, then build for next year. Do the things you've got to do. Spend extra time with the young players. Make sure you're developing your team for next year. Because you know what happens if you start developing them for next year. You're getting your team better. It's a little bit like when you know you know from doing baseball. You swing that heavy bat, and when you get the light bat, it's easier. So when you start working for next year, it helps your team this year, and you don't even realize it. It's a great point. So you know what? Let's talk about who's going to actually make the playoffs right now. I'll give you my picks, Mike, the NFC, and then you give me yours in that conference. So I'm still going to go with the Eagles just because I think the Cowboys are frauds. Both those teams are 3-3, three and three, so it's not going to be a very strong NFC East. I worry about the Eagles secondary, but you know what? I'll give Philly the edge. I like the Packers, the NFC North. I was completely wrong on the Saints. I thought no breeze. They'd be dumb, but Peyton's done an unbelievable job. What a surprise. Great coach. Getting the most out of Bridgewater and that defense. And the best team in the NFC now feels like the Niners at 5-0. and That team feels loaded now. So there's my four there. My wild cards are going to go Seahawks. And the Vikings. I could go Panthers as well. They're four and two, but I will go with Minnesota. They really impressed me today. Cousins and Diggs had great chemistry, spreading the ball down the field. How about for you, NFC? I'm exactly where you are. I didn't think I didn't put Carolina in there. I, I'm right there. I'm not going to let the Rams in. The Rams are not good enough. They're fraudulent, and as the year goes on, they get more injuries. People have a book on on golf. I mean, w- when you look at the last 13, 12 games, and you've got 13 fumbles and 13 interceptions, and you can't work the ball. I've been bitching about his last. 10, 12, 13 games for five weeks on this show, right? Like, that, like that's just not a one-time thing. That's not a fender better. That's a pattern of bad driving, right? So you can't ignore it. And so I, I, I don't have them making it. Now, I wrote a column. There's 11 teams in the NFC that I think have a legitimate chance to make it. I put Detroit. So, you know, you take out the Giants, take out Tampa, take out Arizona, take out Atlanta, Washington, you know, and that leaves the other teams in there. And, and I, I don't know, somebody's going to get left without, somebody's going to get left behind. I mean, Green Bay, we have Green Bay in there, we have Minnesota, so two from the north. Somebody's going to get left behind. Dallas, I don't have making the playoffs either. No, and think about that. I had the Cowboys one of the best teams in football after three weeks when they were 3-0, and now I'm with you. They're 3-3, three and three, and I can't imagine they're one of the top six teams 
uh, making the playoffs in the NFC, unless they get the better of Philly in the NFC East. Over in the AFC, New England's a lock. Baltimore, God, what a day by Lamar Jackson. He was unbelievable. I know it's Cincinnati, but the fact he's throwing for 200, running for 150, I like the Ravens in that division. I'm going to go with Houston. I know that's a tough division to pick, but I like Houston just because of what I saw from Deshaun Watson and company. Uh, of course, I like the Chiefs, and I'll go with the Bills and the Colts as my wildcard teams right now, although I feel like the AFC has a little more fluctuation. But for you, Mike, how do you look at it? You know, I go the same way. I'm, You know, right now, I think Oakland, I'm going to go with Oakland as the sixth seed because only because I think John Gruden's doing a really good job of avoiding losing. I think when you, if you ask me for one word to describe the, the Raiders this year, it, it would be that their ability to, that they're avoiding losing. They're playing smart. That would be smart football. They're running the ball on first down. They're, they're, they know they have liability on defense. People don't take them lightly. I, I think they're really good. Now, you know, it's funny. I didn't take the Jets out of the out of the who's missing the playoffs. I didn't put the because I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be they're going to cause some problems if Darnold stays healthy as they move forward. They're tough to play on defense. They blitz from every single angle. So I left them in there. But I'm going to go Oakland over Buffalo. I like Buffalo a lot. I could split there. But just for the sake of argument, I'm going to put Oakland in there for right this week. I like it. John Gruden got a little bit of love. All right, let's go with On the Lamb. Describe the award and who's on the Lamb, Mike. Well, I, I think these are teams that really need to sit down and revisit themselves. When you go on the Lamb, when you go to West Cape May down here, this is the Witness Protection Program. You need to get a new identity, right? So On the Lamb is about getting a new identity, trying to restart your life again. I thought the Rams were going to do that this week. I really did. I thought they'd after after losing the game in Seattle that they could have easily won if Zerline makes that kick. I thought they would go on the Lamb and kind of get back to where they needed to be didn't show up. I think the same thing with the Cowboys. I think the Clapper's got to have a meeting with himself first and sit there and get on his grease board and say, okay, here's what I think we need to do. We've, we've played six games. Here's where we're really good. Here's where we're not very good. How do I manage this team for the next 10 games? What do I need to do to fix this team's problems and get them? And I think he should go on the land to do it. There's a good house in West Cape May. It looks over the Delaware Bay. Go down there, get a grease board, and work it. Uh, the Fred Palermo Award. Best game plan going into the week goes to? I think that you got to give it to the Jets, man. Simple. Fred Palermo, he believes in six things on the menu. The French Laundry. He doesn't like going to diners. He's going to order a hamburger if he goes to a diner. Maybe the club sandwich at best, right? You know, go simple. You know, go simple. Hey, can I throw a Sopranos thing out to you? Yeah, you just watched I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano again, which was the season finale of episode one, season one. Uh, it's so good. But I, I, here's what I, here's my Sopranos reference. I'm watching these games and Bill O'Brien's wearing bifocals. I'm watching Texas A&M wearing bifocals. And all I could think about is Johnny Sacamano telling his cousin, he's fitting me for context. I don't want to be wearing readers in the courtroom. It looks weak. <laughs> That's such a great. It's all about appearances. Appearances can be deceiving. You're right. It'll look weak. Right. And, and, and like if Johnny Sacamano thinks that it looks weak, I, you know, like Billy, get contacts or, or wear glasses <laughs> that don't make it look like you're wearing bifocals. It makes you look weak. You know, follow the, follow the Johnny Sacamano rule, uh, you know? But I, I dream of Juni Kizamano. I could watch the scene where he brings, he brings in Tony and plays the tape. You know, you and I are not Gumbata, Tony, even though we both hail from the same sunny peninsula. You on one hand, me and Grasso on the other. It's one of the great scenes of all time. Anyway, the Fred Palermo Award, I give it to the Jets. You got to do one more from Jeannie Cusimano. What's the line particularly you were telling me last week? He says, you smell like something. 
Oh, gee. when they go to kill uh, Jimmy Altieri, he, he gets in the elevator. Jesus Christ, you didn't even come. You came and got me. I didn't have the time to clean up. He says, you smell. You got so much cologne on you. You smell like Paco Roban got shoved up your ass. I don't even know who Paco Roban is. It's one of the great lines. These two are Russian. I was bitter about Russians. They beat me up in the, you know, Christopher's so good. What's his other line? His big tits and little feet to hitting any man's league. It's, and then he gets shot. That's his, that's his last words he ever says. I, that's going to be the alternate title of the GM Shuffle. We're going to get shufflers put on the front, and that's their slogan on the back. Yeah. Uh, KGB Award, the team that got duped this week. Mike, who was that? I mean, look, the Andy Reid, I, I have great respect for Andy Reid. I f- make fun of him about his game management. I think he should outsource it to India. I, I, I admit that. I, I have great respect for his offensive mind. But he's becoming a coach without Jim Johnson, without his great Jim Johnson who was in Philadelphia. He looks like he doesn't have a sense of how to really play complementary football. And I think he really needs to understand it or else he's going to be watching more playoff games than he cares to many. He's going to, he's going to ruin his career because he, he should be in the Hall of Fame all he needs is another all Super Bowl appearance. He's got a lot of wins. He needs to have an Andy Reid meeting. Maybe he goes to Cape May with the Clapper, and they need to sit down and decide. Look, this I, I can't play this way anymore. I gotta have to change how I play. Uh, why did we win? Why did we lose? Why did we win? Goes to the Texans and the Cardinals. The why did we lose? The Clapper and Andy Reid. Well, I, I think the Texans won because they controlled the ball for 40 minutes and they were by far the more physical team. I mean, they came off the ball. Carlos Hyde ran it like a bitch. He he ran hard. He ran, and they were decisive. They didn't hesitate going for it, and Deshaun Watson was great. I wonder if poor those people in Chicago, I wonder if the Chicago market got the Deshaun Watson-Patrick Mahomes game because they're watching that game knowing that they moved up to get MVP Mitch when both of these guys they could have had. Now, in fairness, in fairness, right, in fairness, Mahomes wasn't viewed the way he is today back then, right? He was, you know, Andy Reid. There was a lot of people that liked him, but I don't think he was viewed there. Deshaun was viewed. I mean, when Deshaun comes out, Dabo Sweeney says, hey, he's Michael Jordan. So he was viewed. So those poor people in Chicago are watching the Houston Texans thinking, God, if we had Deshaun Watson, do you imagine how good we would be? No, you're absolutely right. I remember with Mahomes, everyone said, oh, is it just a system quarterback, right? Big 12 game. Yeah, he's got a big arm, but will that transit to the NFL to different style of defense, et cetera? So right. you're right. There was definitely whispers around whether or not Mahomes could do it. Yeah, and I, and look, Arizona won because they converted a, four, a third and five, and they got luckier in hell. I mean, they won because they could throw the ball on on the Atlanta Falcons. It's the perfect matchup for them. I said it on Beeson today. You know, they asked who you would take in the game. I said, I'd take Arizona, even though it's going to be ugly. Because it was the perfect match. Atlanta can't cover anybody. They can't rush the passer. Atlanta's going to be vulnerable to any team that they play that can actually throw the ball. And give Cliff Kingsbury credit. He won his second game. I'm not sure that spot on four, on third and five was the right spot. And the fact that he went out of bounds was horrendous. Because if it not, it had been fourth and one, it would have been a disaster. But the fact they gave it to him, they gave it to him, they won. So why did we lose? We got the Chiefs, we got the Cowboys. Well, I think the Chiefs lost because they refuse to play complimentary football and they don't let their defense, the defense stinks and they don't do anything to help their defense whatsoever with their offense or with the kicking game. And then Dallas loses because I think Dallas, you know, they don't understand that they're in a situation. They have two backup tackles. Like you're not going to dominate the line of scrimmage. It's like the, it's like the Browns going for it, trying to run the ball inside with a bad offensive line. The Rams did the same thing today. The Rams have fourth and goal with the one and they try to run behind three of the worst offensive linemen on their team. Like seriously, you're going to run behind them? 
Like, I wouldn't run behind them. I mean, if you're going to run behind them, sneak it. Don't hand, don't take the ball back off the center. Sneak the damn thing. Let Goff extend the ball over, right? It's the same thing with the Cowboys. You're going to, you know, you got, you got to run behind your two backup tackles. Seriously. And then that, your two point play is to, is, and you know, you're going to get blitzed. That's your two point play. Seriously. That's why you lost. I think these are your two best ones of the year for this category. The award is if you don't know, now you know. I think these two you could take to the bank. Go ahead. The Rams are bad, and they need to move on from Gurley. I mean, that's enough. Like, they need to move on from Gurley. Henderson, they need to get, they need to reinvent themselves. And if they keep going down, I said it on VEASAN today, they keep, the best thing that happened for the Rams, I thought today, was that Gurley wasn't going to play. Because now they could commit to Brown, they could commit to Henderson. They need to commit to somebody to get their offense because right now they're stuck in mud. Gurley can't give them what they need, and they keep trying to make it happen, and it ain't going to happen. It's like having a pair of twos thinking you're going to win the hand. Bill Walsh used to say all the time, look, I'm never holding on to two pair of twos. I can't win. Like, I'm not winning with two, I'm not winning with two twos. I got to discard them. You got to discard them. That's why. And then the top two picks of the two, 2014 drafts, they should be free agents next year looking for jobs. It's crazy, man. Who is courageous? Who is desperate? Well, I mean, are the Chargers? I don't know what the. Well, let's see here. As we've done this, the score of the Charger game is twenty-four to three. They're losing in the fourth quarter. Twenty-four. They're losing to my man Duck Hodges, who was a Duck calling champion from Sanford. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, I mean, you talk about a guy who should be on the lamb, Anthony Lynn. I mean, I know he's got a lot of injuries, but that's damn embarrassing losing to that team. But, I mean, look, the reality of it is is the Chargers are just not any good. We've been saying this about their offensive line for weeks. Their offensive line is horrible. Crazy to think about the Chargers. are. How about Courageous, the Raiders? You're giving some love to John Gruden and company and also Deshaun Watson. No doubt. I think you have to give the – I mean, look, the Raiders are doing the one thing that I harp about on this podcast, avoiding losing. They're playing smart. They're winning first down. They're not beating themselves. They're not talented enough. But they're doing it. But, I mean, you can win nine or ten games in this league if you just don't beat yourself. And then I think Deshaun Watson, every time – I mean, he's playing at a level. He's not in the MVP conversation yet, but, man, he's playing really good. Will Fuller would have made him look a lot better. That 31-24 game against Kansas City, that wasn't as close as, as when you watch it play. It really wasn't as close. Will Fuller had two critical drops in that game. It could, they could have run away with it. And then they spotted – I think they spotted – they turned the ball over early in the game. They, they spotted Kansas City 10 nothing. And when their defense needed to make a play, they did. you got you got to give the love to, to the – look, that was a tough one. And now they got to play the Colts. But you got to give the, the, the Texans, I mean, they're battling back. That was probably the best win I think Bill O'Brien's had since he's been down there. When you think of the Sopranos, you think of I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano. Now if you're a fan of the GM Shuffle, you're a shuffler, and so you dream of GM Shuffle on Instagram. Your wish comes true. That's right. At the GM Shuffle now on Instagram. Me and Michael will be posting information about the podcast, pictures, who knows, maybe some, I don't know, just pictures of Ocean City, pictures of uh, the dogs, who knows. But we're going to be on Instagram, Mike. We're going to the next level here with social media. Our man Joe's getting it done. I just hope the hell I can figure out how to work Instagram. That's been my biggest challenge. I, I need to get my daughter-in-law, Michelle, and, and, and my two daughter-in-laws to help me because I'm goddamn clueless when it comes to that. I always give you a like every time I see you post something, but you're right. It's yeah, I mean, that, that's because I'm trying. You, you know I'm trying. You know, that's because I'm trying. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Not a great weekend for the Clapper, but I think it was a pretty good weekend for the GM Shuffle. As always, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Every week we're out on Mondays and Thursdays. A blast as always, my friend.